So once again, Jesus has turned from his public ministry to those that were against him to now he is with his disciples in this more personal, intimate setting. And we're going to pick up here in the upper room. And in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, we'll start with that. It says this. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God was, and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So we see right away John, uh, the author here, repeating Jesus's earlier claim that his hour has come. It is time. And, 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 he, and, he, and then it says, speaking of his love, it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, when it says love them to the end, the word end here means perfection or completeness. It's signifying that Jesus loves his own with the fullest measure of love. That's something, if you're a Jesus follower, you should be excited about that. But, but right after that, we see this dramatic shift in the scene to him speaking about what? Satan's influence on Judas's heart. So he immediately goes from this love that he has for his followers to then the influence of Satan on Judas's heart. Heart. It says the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. Now, I'm not going to go all into this today because next week we're going to talk a lot about Judas, okay? Um, but this is really important for us. In fact, uh, this scene, um, and probably unlike any other time I've studied this, it, it was Judas that really stood out to me. But we see Jesus then with the end in sight that it talks about here where he knows he's about to go back to the Father. He does one of the most unexpected things that we could ever imagine or comprehend, especially if we were in this room, in this small, intimate setting with Jesus. Now remember, the streets in Jerusalem were what? Dirt. Okay? Okay. It was, it was gross. It was dirty, and they rolled around in what? Sandals. That was the protection for their feet. In other words, their feet were nasty, okay? Remember, they didn't have cars and that, so what were you also trying to avoid walking in the dirt? Droppings, okay? Things were gross. Feet were gross, and, 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 and so this, when, we, when we go into this scene, uh, it was normal for someone to wash their feet. Uh, a lot of times there was a servant of the house. And, and so there's no servant there in this setting to, to do this. Now, keep in mind also, it wasn't just any normal servant as well. Washing feet was considered even below Jewish servants. So they're like, unless you're a non-Jew, a Gentile servant, then you can wash feet. But because there's no servant, one of the 12 should have stepped up, right? We're like, 
wanting to believe in them all throughout this journey. It's like one of you is going to step up, right? This is your moment. God has talked. Uh, we know that the heart of Jesus, he says, it's more blessed to uh, serve than to be served. Here we go, guys. One of you is going to volunteer. But what we see is an interaction going on between them that Luke talks about in Luke chapter 22, verse 24, when it says, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. So here they are, suppers served, they're in this intimate setting, nobody's washing the feet here, and, and they're there, and they're, they're not even noticing at this point that nobody's washing the feet. Why? Because they're caught up going, who's the greatest here? Yeah, you're okay, but did you see what, did you see what I've done? Did you see what Jesus said to me? Did you see how he talked to me? Yeah, you're in the inner circle, but there's a whole nother layer to this, and I'm in that one. Okay, you're on the outskirts. Jesus just was like, you were charity, okay? I, I was hand-selected. And, and so they're comparing themselves, and they're literally talking about whose place is going to be highest in the kingdom when he's reigning. I'm going to be up here. You'll probably be down there. And that's the conversation in this moment when one of them should have been stepping up and going, you know what? I am going to wash your guys' feet. And honestly, I believe in this setting, they might have even been looking at each other going, who's going to be the first to give in here? Right? Who, who's going to do this? I'm not going to do it. Are they going to do it? Now, we do this all the time in our everyday life, right? I know with our kitchen trash, it's kind of like, who's going to do it? And it's kind of like, well, I think there's a little more we could put in here, so it's not my turn, right? We're getting out of the diaper stage. That's all we would do is like, who can tolerate the smell the longest? And then it's like, all right, I'm going to go do it because I got a sensitive nose. So she knows she can outweigh me. But they're sitting there waiting and arguing. And who's going who's gonna to do this? Because remember, their, their whole mentality is what? It's completely upside down. And so in this moment, in a stunning display of humility to a degree that nobody had seen at that point, we see verses four and five. What does it say? It says, Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So Jesus takes off his outer garments in the midst of their conversation, in the midst of how they were looking at each other, how they were comparing each other. He takes this off. He ties the towel around his waist and in just complete, utter silence, awkward silence, they watch Jesus start to kneel before each and every one of them and he washes their nasty feet. Guys, this is God in the flesh. What in the world is he doing washing their feet? And what, and what we see here is in the sequence of, of just the setting here where the cross is coming, it's eminent, the, the time is here, the hour is here, and, and it's almost like with everything going on, Jesus just says, time out, 
Let's take a pause here. There's a lesson that you need to hear, that you need to learn. And it's not just a lesson for them. Unfortunately, it's also what? A lesson for us. Says, no, 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 we're not going to move forward yet. There's something important here that needs to be addressed. And one is this whole posture of serving, of sacrificially, of humbly serving other people. See, if our Savior humbly served others, then none of us here, if we're Jesus follower, none of us are excused from it. None of us are. See, we don't say this a lot of times, but we think it. Well, I'm too good to do that. I'm too, ah, no, that's for someone else to do. I wonder if anyone else is going to help them. Or, or even worse, they, they deserve what happened to them. Yeah, they made choices, so it makes sense that they're there. And so, good luck. You got, your, you got yourself into that. I'll pray for you, but you need to get yourself out. And, and we'll have these thoughts, um, and ultimately, a lot of the times, what it's communicating, without us saying it, is, I'm too good to do that. You're not worthy. And so we make these excuses, and we should be paying attention to the excuses we make for not serving other people. We really need to pay attention to that. Because a lot of times, uh, we have, over time, developed this, this uh, excuse uh, that, that it, it honestly sounds good even. It's like justifiable to ourselves. And, and so we believe that we're actually doing the right thing by not humbly serving someone else. And so, and so Jesus is, is, is literally reframing what that looks like. And then what Jesus also teaches us here is that no one is below being served. No one is below that. Okay, in, in chapter 13 here, we are reminded repeatedly about the upcoming betrayal by who? Judas. We see it multiple times. Do you understand here in this setting that Jesus washed his feet? Guys, Jesus washed his feet. He knew full well what Judas was going to do. And yet there he is, right before Judas, he gets down before this guy who's going to betray him, who's going to do what, what you and I just uh, think is unimaginable. And he gets right at his feet, kneels down, and he's scrubbing his feet. He's washing his feet, the feet of his betrayer. Would we wash Judas's feet? Man, I was thinking about that this week. You get to think about it next week. I was thinking about it this week. Man, was I, would I wash Judas's feet? Because if Jesus did this, and for me, it's really hard to imagine anybody doing something worse to me than what Judas did to Jesus, and Jesus was still able to do this. I, uh, I mean, for me, I, I wouldn't have washed his feet. I would have just delivered some wrath. Right? I mean, that's what I would have done. I would have just dealt with him. But, but Jesus, in the most insane way, in this posture of humility, he gets down, he washes the feet of the very one who'd betray him, and he really uh, 
he really exemplifies his message because in Matthew 5, he said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And, and, and listen, I've heard that verse a lot. Maybe you've heard that verse uh, a lot as well. And, but there's something about like, okay, um, God, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to love them from a distance. I'm going to even get myself to pray for them, God. Aren't you impressed? I threw them out there just for you because you asked me to. But what he does here is a whole nother degree of humility that, man, that's tough. He, he doesn't, just, doesn't just model loving them, praying for them. What does he do? He serves him. He serves him. And, and then we keep going in verses 6 through 11. It says, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. So when Jesus gets to Peter, Peter responds how you and I would have responded, I believe, because being in this room and watching this scene, being confronted with what? All these thoughts of just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe Jesus is doing this. I should have done that. And then he gets to you, kneels down, he starts washing your feet. What are you going to say? Jesus, there's no way you're washing my feet. What are you doing? Why are you washing my feet? I mean, this was, this was like unheard of. For anybody in a superior position to wash the feet of someone inferior, that was totally uh, countercultural, cultural to Jewish or Roman culture. Like This was unheard of. And so uh, we see Peter's outburst uh, reflects how probably we would uh, react, but it also shows that he's ignorant to Jesus's mission. Just as we've looked at the last few weeks, how people were so confused because they had pictured Jesus coming to establish his earthly kingdom, to overthrow Rome, and yet he's speaking about dying. He, he's talking about his sacrificial death. And so Peter still doesn't get it, but we see Jesus say, after all this is done, after I've ascended to heaven, then you're going to get it. You're going to understand that I did not come to uh, be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so as he's talking about this, Peter, once again, you're never going to wash my feet. You can't do this. And so Jesus finally says, listen, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of this with me. See, unless Jesus humbles himself as a servant, unless Jesus selflessly offers his life in Peter's place, in yours and my place, we would have no ability to follow him. See, the, the point here is how Jesus' sacrifice had to happen 
if he hadn't taken the form of a servant and humbled himself to the point of death, then we would have no ability to follow him. Follow him where? Where are we going that he's going to come and get us and take us to? So this had to happen. Jesus' service, his, 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 his humility by going to the cross, pictured here by this foot washing, this is what makes discipleship even possible. And so Jesus uh, corrects Peter's misunderstanding of his mission, that, that in reality, he's coming, his first coming is about uh, his sacrifice. It's not about establishing this kingdom. He came to humble himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, Philippians 2.8 tells us, even death on a cross. What this also means is that only those who have been cleansed are ones who have a relationship with him. We see washing uh, as, as a common biblical metaphor for spiritual cleaning all throughout scripture. We see in uh, Psalm 51.2, the psalmist says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And so Peter now starting to understand that, oh, he's talking about something else here, and I really want to be a part of what he's doing. He says, okay, don't just wash my feet then. Wash my hands, wash my head. I want all of whatever it is you're offering. And Jesus probably just went, oh my goodness. Man, this guy, this guy. But continuing in this spiritual application through this principle of washing, Jesus says to Peter, what? In, in verse 10, he said, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. So in other words, those who've already bathed don't need to take another bath every time their feet get dirty. It's like, listen, you guys walk around a lot. You, you're, if someone's already bathed, they're clean. Um, they just need to wash their feet. And just as complete cleansing occurs in our lives at salvation, guys, you don't, that doesn't have to continue to be repeated. Right, some of you, and I'll be honest, some of you, you, you try and ask him into your heart like four times a week. It's like, no, once, once you've received him as Lord and Savior, you are immediately cleansed, okay? Jesus' death on the cross, it brings complete forgiveness, but, and what he's talking about here is we still need that daily cleansing for sanctification, See, uh, because what? Well, the penalty of sin's been paid, but there's still the pollution of sin in our lives, Right? There's still uh, that, that battle of the flesh uh, that, that we go through, that sanctification, becoming more like God, and we struggle with that. We fall back into temptation. We have moments of weakness. We have thoughts. Uh, we, uh, we say things. We do things that we wish we wouldn't. And so we need that daily forgiveness in our lives as well. And so that's what he's talking about. But he says, listen, you guys, and he's talking to the disciples, you are clean, but we do know, as Jesus alludes to, that one of them wasn't. One of them was not spiritually. And so what we see here, you guys, in this intimate setting, and this really is what hit me this week as I was studying uh, these verses, is, is Jesus is there, 
And he is making this final appeal in the midst of this. He's making a final appeal to Judas. Do you see this? Judas is on the brink of of executing the the worst betrayal that, that that we know about. Right? He's in the midst of the plans. It's going to happen. And, 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 and so we see Jesus in this scene using this illustration to communicate to Judas. Like, I don't know if he stared at him when he said, but listen, you're not clean. I don't know what that was like, but I know in that setting, he's looking around the room just as you and I would to his closest followers. And, 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 and when he's washing their feet as well, you guys, what was the picture, right? The picture is salvation. The picture of the cleansing that happens through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. But what also is that a picture of? It's not just a picture of a sacrifice, but what is the picture of the cross for us? What is that? If you're online, just shout at the screen. (laughs) It's a picture of forgiveness. It's a picture of forgiveness, guys. This means that believers ought to not only sacrificially serve each other, but also Forgive one another. This is huge. And this just continues with what we read. In Matthew 5, 23 and 24, it says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. We see in Ephesians 4, 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And we're like, okay, I get that. I see that. I can see the benefit of that. Um, and, and I can even try to get myself to, to forgive one another. But then it says the next part, we don't like that. It says, as God in Christ forgave you, you. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Here's what was so tough about this. At first, as I'm studying this, and I would encourage you to all do the same, I started thinking about who are the Judases in my life? Who are the Judases that have labeled who are the Judases that, that, I, that I'm like, man, they're against me. They're against the mission. They're against what God's doing. And maybe it's not even a Judas that's a, 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 like directly against you. Maybe there's a Judas that you're like, oh, they're like this in our town, in our city, in our culture, on our team. They're a coworker, all this. And you've labeled these Judases in your life. And, and it's like, but they're, uh, they're, they're this. Like, like, I'll conveniently forgive. I'll even pray for. I'll even love these people, but not these Judases that we've labeled in our lives. Here's what's so tough. And this is the battle. This is what happened for me. And now it gets to happen for you. Is ultimately, as I reflected on Ephesians 4.32 and the concepts of these verses, as God in Christ forgave you, I had to come to the point where it wasn't Judas's face anymore in the room. It was my face. 
It's my face. It's my face. I'm a Judas. I'm a hypocrite. I say things to just please him, and, but maybe my heart's somewhere else. I struggle. I doubt. And, and you know what? There's even been moments in my life where he said, give, and I withheld, which is what? Stealing from God. I've done all these things, and all of a sudden, it's flooding my mind that it's really uh, convenient to label all these other people and, and talk about what they're, where they're at. But then when I actually make it personal, and, and, and I picture Jesus now stopping in front of me and washing my feet. And, and he knows all these moments, all these times that my life has been in complete opposition to him. And he's washing my feet. Man, that's when it hurts. That's when it's tough. And he says, that's the posture. That's what I'm talking about here. That's the humility. That's the sacrificial love I'm calling you into. Okay, and, 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 and it's not even about this, this image. It's the heart of the image. It's what it represented. It's the depth of humility that was represented as the savior of the world is dressed like the lowest of low servants, serving guys who had no business being served by him. No, 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 no. Those guys should have been bending over backwards to do whatever Jesus needed. And Jesus flips the script on them. He flips it on us because you and I, we're the same way. We're comparing each other. We're caught up in how do we look and, and how do we sound? Are we really good here or are we not? And, and we even get to the place where we're, 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 we're loving people to a certain degree, to a safe degree. We, we, uh, we, we, we serve others. But man, when it comes to this kind of depth, the depth that he's loved us with, and he calls us to humbly serve someone else from that place, we're like, no, no way. He says, no, this is what this, is what this looks like. And even in this moment, as he's looking at Judas, and he's like, man, you're not clean. You're not clean. What I'm doing here is a representation of what I'm going to do on the cross. For everybody, you're not right with me. He is pleading. These are the final pleads to Judas here. And then we see in verses 12 through 17, it says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So after washing the disciples' feet, Jesus takes his place again at the table, and they're sitting there. They're probably just stunned. They're in silence. They're in shock at what's been, at what just happened. And then Jesus teaches them the main lesson. He goes, okay, I've taught you the theology I, I, behind this, that, that, I, that I had to come, that I had to be a perfect sacrifice. And, and, and I've even then broken it down even more to where, listen, if, if, if you've given me your life, you are clean, but you, there's a daily uh, clean that has to happen in your life uh, as you walk with me, as you grow in that relationship with me. And he's even exposed, not all of you 
you are right with me. But here he gets to the heart of the matter as he teaches them the importance of humility and loving service that he calls us to. And this is so crucial for them as, I've, as it is for us today. Those who constantly argued over who was the greatest, if Jesus was willing to humble himself and take on the role of the lowest of servants, how could the disciples do any less? See, Jesus had once asked in Luke 6, 46, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? In other words, you keep declaring that I'm Lord over your life, but you're not following me. You're not doing what I'm doing. So how can you keep saying that? He asked them this. How can you not follow my example? You guys, when we refuse to follow his example of humble service for other people, what we're actually doing is elevating ourselves above him. When we start to define who's worthy of this and who isn't, we're elevating ourselves above him. Why? Because of what he said there next. What did he say? Since a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. You guys, in those days, no servant would ever think of any task as beneath them if their master had done it. Because if they acted that way, they were placing themselves above their rabbi, their teacher, their, their master. And Jesus has this concluding thought where he finishes. He says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Guys, this is that biblical truth that the blessings, the joy, it comes from obedience. It comes from obedience. It comes to the ones who will follow Jesus into a life of humble service. See, you, you, you gotta remember, Jesus has the opportunity to highlight all these different parts of following him, right? And, and, and time is near Right? He says, now is the hour. And yet this is what he, choose. he chooses to highlight this, a willingness to wash feet. That's what he highlights to them. That's what humble service needs to look like. That's what following Jesus should look like for us. But, but here's what's so great, you guys. As hard as this is, as hard as it is to comprehend, to ever uh, humbly serve someone uh, to this degree, Jesus doesn't just provide us the pattern for, for service, what does he do? He empowers us. He provides the power to serve. This is what I love about uh, a relationship with Jesus, you guys, is whatever he calls you to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he empowers you to accomplish it. Okay, so, so when you sit there and go, there is no way I could serve somebody else like this, much less someone who's betrayed me, much less someone who hates me, much less someone who I disagree with everything about their life and we don't get along. You, you know what, you guys, you're right. To, left to your flesh, you cannot serve them. Because I'll tell you what my flesh does. How can they serve me? How do they align with me? How do I make more of myself? How am I the advantage of this relationship? If I, if I serve them, 
what is it going to do for me? That's what my flesh does, right? So I know that my flesh is going to pull me against what Jesus is calling all of us to do. So what's going to happen here? Well, Jesus uh, lets us know that when he goes away, it's better that he goes away because he's going to bring someone else. Guess who that is? The Holy Spirit. He's going to come on the scene, and there's a thing called what? Fruits of the Spirit. A byproduct of walking with Jesus and following Jesus is you are in alignment with the Holy Spirit who does what? He brings out these things we call, these characteristics that we call the fruits of the Spirit. And a lot of times we just glaze over them. We go, oh, those are great. But you got to understand, when it's talking about this love, this joy, this peace, all these things that it brings... He is not talking about things that you can produce on your own. This is a kind of love that supersedes your ability. This is a kind of love that he empowers you to act upon. So if you're sitting there and you're going, yeah, I can't do this. You're right. Yay. There you go. You can't do it. I can't do it. That's part of the point. But through what Jesus did on the cross, through the power of the gospel, you can. And through Jesus' example, you can. Jesus is telling his disciples, in essence, my humble service to you on the cross is pictured by this act of foot washing. And this will enable you and empower you to live as you were intended to. And what it will do if you will be about me and my plan and the call on your life, it's going to change your desires. It's going to actually change your goals. Uh, it's going to change even your fundamental makeup. What defines who you are? You're going to learn that as you follow him in this way, that joy and happiness is going to find you, but it's going to surprise you. Why? Because it's different than what the world is saying is going to give you that joy and that happiness, right? Uh, because for us, we think that joy and happiness arise when people are praising us, when we advance positionally, right? I mean, that's what social media tells us, right? Like, like, it didn't happen if you didn't show it to everybody else. Let me show the world how humble I am. Right? That's kind of the, the Christian culture we live in, is, is, is we believe that if we live for him, he's going to advance us positionally, and we're going to get a lot of praise. Unfortunately, he got on his hands and knees and washed some feet. And, he, and, and, and to a room... Um, of not a lot of people. Where he wasn't praised, he was misunderstood. A lot of the joy that you're going to find in, in the obedience to Jesus that you live with in your life, it's going to be misunderstood and no one's going to know about it. And you've got to be okay with that. In fact, I, I don't even have to convince you to be okay with it. You're going to actually find joy in it. I, I, I love preaching and, 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 and speaking to a group of people, but I, I kid you not, and you don't have to believe me, but whatever. When I come away from something and there's nobody there, and there's nobody, you know, walking down the street after they see this going, amen, Steve, woo, and, and they're filming it, right? There is a joy, a purity, and some of you felt this. When you do something and no one else knows, no one else is watching, and it's just about you and God, 
He's the one who said to pull over the car. He's the one that said to give that. He's the one that said, you pray for them right now. And you're like, oh. And, and, and in that moment, you guys, and you know what I'm talking about, there was a joy that you experienced that no amount of press or praise or position could ever give you. And Jesus is like, trust me, trust me, follow me. And it's not like this cliffhanger, right? Because we got the rest of the New Testament. Guys, the disciples, they ended up catching on to this vision and they were willing to die for that. The Holy Spirit's gonna enable you to do that. And here's the other thing. Jesus commands us to do this, but it's about our attitude and our heart. It's not about an activity. Okay, guys, I want you to think about this for a minute. If Peter, let's just use Peter. He's the easy one. He's the low-hanging fruit. Let's just use Peter as an example, right? It would have been very easy for Peter to read the room and go, man, someone should wash their feet. If I wash their feet, Jesus is going to notice, and he's going to be impressed, and he's going to go look at Peter, right? Easily. He could, have done, he could have done exactly what Jesus did, but would it have been what Jesus is talking about? No. So I want you guys to hear this very clearly. He's not asking you to superficially try and, and put on a show for him. No, he sees your heart. He's, he's asking you and I to address our heart. He's asking you to serve from a heart posture, from a heart place, not a presentation place. Okay? Any of us can go through the motions. Any of us can look a certain way or, or be a certain part. Like, like we, we can all do that. Uh, unfortunately, we've gotten pretty good at it. What, what he's looking for is what's going on in our hearts. It's our attitudes. But if we'll do this, if we'll walk with him, we will see him completely transform what we even view of his joy, of peace, of love. Guys, I'm so thankful that through the power of the gospel, he changed my nature and he gave me a new heart. And if you've received him as Lord and Savior, that's what he's done in your life. And so what's so amazing about that, and some of you, maybe you're not a Jesus follower and you're like, man, I don't wanna do this. Are you kidding me? Boy, this was the right sermon to go to to confirm I don't wanna be a part of this, Right? But here, here's what I want to encourage you with that, that are like, I don't want to believe this. He changes your heart. So how you're speaking now isn't a reflection of how you'll speak after you've allowed him to transform your heart because he gives you a new heart, a new purpose. There's a joy that is transformative. It's not normal. It's not what used to bring you joy. And there is a room and there's an audience online full of people who have experienced that. And they're sitting here right now and they're, they're excited. They're encouraged because of that calling, because of walking that path. And, and so when I look at these passages, you guys, and I want to really close with this thought. What stood out to me more than anything is the depth of this sacrifice. The depth, the undercurrent of what Jesus is doing when he washes their feet and what he's actually calling us into. Because to me, 
it's best pictured when I see him washing Judas's feet. That image, I just can't get it out of my mind. I just can't. Because I, I, I just, I see us in a time right now where we're dealing with anger towards each other to depths we haven't, we haven't experienced. It's maybe even surprised us. We've, we've started to qualify those who are worthy of this sacrificial love, of this sacrificial forgiveness. We've, we've, we've created qualifications for that. We've even put them in groups. And, and like I said, the image that just was stuck in my mind was not only who are the Judases, Steve, who are the Judases, but Steve, now replace his face with yours. And as you just imagine, Jesus, knowing everything he knows about you, kneeling down in front of you, in the midst of all your flaws, your failures, your excuses, your mistakes, all the times you've been a hypocrite, and we've all been a hypocrite, in spite of all of that, he looks at you in the eye, and he is washing your feet. Man, I respond just like Peter. Man, get up. Please get up. Stop. Stop, please. I'm unworthy. You are unworthy, you guys. All of us are unworthy. That's why we just thank him. And we operate with a new life and a new purpose. And we will follow him. Because any savior who will sacrificially go to the cross for me or for you, in spite of all of those things, man, they are worth following. And he will change your life. And you will serve people differently. You will love differently. And just as we see here. It will be something that other people see, other people notice, and they will go, how in the world can you do that? And that's when you have the platform to say, because of Jesus, because of Jesus. Okay, I, I, I pray even right now that we can start to actually Unpack what does forgiveness look like for some of these people and how do I serve them? Let's pray.